Welcome to Be and Think in the House of Trust, a show for those of you who love to invest in social and environmental change and wonder, how do I show up when I want to create the conditions that make us tell one another, you matter? My name is Sierra Moisel, founder of Conscious Innovation, and together with my guests, we pause and think about the behaviors and conditions that help you trust and collaborate, but also listen and care and deliver and fulfill your mission as responsible impact investors. Today, my guest is Joy Anderson, the founder and president of Criterion Institute, the leading think tank that helps us use finance as a tool for social change. Criterion demonstrates new possibilities through its groundbreaking research, innovative training, convenings, and institutional engagement. In recognition of her leadership, Joy was listed in Fast Company's 100 Most Creative People in Business. Joy, it's such a pleasure having you in the House of Trust today. Wonderful, wonderful. wonderful. You are in Connecticut, aren't you? I am. I am. Today I am. And I used to travel so much more and now I'm just here. It's wonderful. Oh, this is great. Uh, before we dive in, I realized that we have many things in common. I'm not going to go through the whole list because we'll be there tomorrow. I think I wouldn't mind, but I think you probably have other things to do. Amongst others, there's that joy. I mean, you carry the name. That's your privilege. Uh, I'm absolutely hopeful. I think you've got some sort of uh, hopefulness in you as well, haven't you? I do. I do. Hope really matters. I remember years ago when we started Criterion, we had a conversation um, in uh, Harlem in New York uh, at this amazing bistro. Um, and the conversation was, what's more important than hope? And I remember a friend of mine walking into the dinner and just saying, nothing. It's a silly question. Anyway, it was a beautiful conversation because, of course, for other people, there were things more important than hope. But I love that question. Like, what's more important than hope? There is that thing about gender smart investing. I think we can go back to it in, in, in a minute. Yeah. And um, the other thing we have in common is apples. My great grandmother used to press cider and make spirits in Brittany almost 100 years ago. And I was busy eating them. Not 100 years ago. I'll give you that. But and you press cider and you boil apple syrup. Is we that right? do. We press we press cider a lot. Um, we don't make uh, applejack very often or or. Um, uh, Calvados. But once um, a colleague from Social Venture Network years and years ago, maybe 10 years ago, came here. We pressed apples all day. He took all of the cider back to his still. And then we took jugs of Calvados to Social Venture Network. It was really quite fun. Yeah, that's a good deal. <laughs> so how about, how about we dive in now? Um, Joy, I'm going to give you a little bit of your background uh, for people, for the rare people who don't know you yet. So you have a strong voice at the intersection of business, finance, and social change. And in a previous episode on that and in in being thinking a house of trust, we were talking about social mobility uh, in, in the VC world with Zoe Peden. And interestingly, you, ha you have been a high school teacher in New York City, public schools, right? You wanted to understand how power works in big systems. Yeah. Uh, you stayed for a while for a teacher. I mean, nowadays, staying eight years as a teacher is, a, is, a, is not a means feat. Uh, and because you said you fell in love with the students, right? 
100%. Wow. And you had several leadership roles in the teachers' union, and you managed federally funded programs for the school and the district. And then you became an entrepreneur. And you founded Criterion Ventures in 2002. So I guess there is a, a happy birthday or happy anniversary, as we say in English. <laughs> uh, that's 21 years ago. You co-founded Good Capital with uh, Tim Frodlich and Kevin Jones in 2006. And you led the development of Healthcare Uncovered in 2006-2009, which was funded by Rockefeller. What a journey. What, what's, what's and then the, after that, I founded the field of gender-led investing. So there you uh, go. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about that gender-smart investing. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was like 12, 12, 13 years ago. You started yeah, that. It was, was 2000 and, um, oh, I'm not going to do the math well, a while back. What's yeah. heard that? What was at the... Um, I mean, for me, we were, you know, Suzanne and I were very, we've been friends for a very long time um, and sort of were both very active in impact investing. And I founded a venture fund, Good Capital, with with uh, those fellows. And, um, and so I think I was sort of in the middle of the early days of impact investing and it was sort of coming of age and figuring out who we all were and I had just enough training in gender studies to know that and enough experience in life to say we weren't addressing issues of power, mm. right? It was just a, it was a conversation. Um, I remember going up and meeting with a VC in um, Seattle, say 2007, something like that. And they were, they were quite convinced that all they had to do was take all of public education and put it online and they would solve the problems of poverty and inequality in the world. Because if you eliminate all the teachers who are actually the problem and we put it all online, it will all be more efficient and everybody will have access to education. I mean, the man was literally full of his own, you know, (laughs) he was whacked. (laughs) But this arrogance and... So much of the early days of impact investing and, and still and still today, I don't think it's changed dramatically. We're just driven by that arrogance, right? It was so driven by venture capital, which requires that you truly that you're smarter than everybody else. And so um, it, impact investing wasn't addressing people, questions of power. It was sort of we we're going to innovate our way to some grand new future and inequities and racism and it was all just going to fall away poverty all going to be eliminated just because you know we engaged market systems and so um with that i i i wanted to figure out a different way of looking at things and wanted to figure out how to how to course correct some of that and so there were a bunch of us it was shari Barenbach and at the calvert foundation um who's passed away since then but Jackie Vanderbrook, of course, and Suzanne was around in those early days. And Suzanne Beagle, just for people who don't know. Yeah. Bring together the conversations about gender. And for me, it was the conversations of power. I don't know if it was for the rest of them, but it was for me. Mm. So. Mm. And what did you discover along the way that you didn't expect to discover? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I, I mean, maybe it's one of those, like, I think I had no freaking idea what to expect. So <laughs> sort of looking back, I mean, this was all a grand adventure. I mean, so much of Criterion has been, I mean, we're, we're, we've, we've been a 
sustained experiment in ways of creating systems change in different ways. And so I, I, I was never the kind of leader I am now, which is interesting. This is the first time in my career where I've plan and I think I'm right. And so I don't think at that time I had a plan. Anybody who worked for me at the time could probably confirm I had no plan. I just wanted to figure out what was possible. And uh, I'd never built a field, but we built a field. I, I hadn't built a venture fund. I built a venture fund. Like at some point it was, how can we how can we try a different set of things? Is there a broader set of things possible? I remember the first conversations with Washari looking at um, what is now, oh goodness, Calvert Foundation's amazing product uh, that's been around forever. Why can't I remember the name of it? Hugely disrespectful to not be able to name of it, but they were the, one of the first really focused gender lens investing products. Mm-hmm. And Shari just didn't believe it was possible, right? And so I remember hours and hours of conversation with her, just like, well, we could do something. Isn't there something we could do? And so the kind of, what did I expect? I don't know. I don't know if I had expectations. I wanted to see if there was a different path. Um, and I didn't know what that would look like. Wow. Stay in the game. I mean, that's the story of most entrepreneurs, right? Have enough um, staying power to still be around 21 years later. Mm, Staying power, but I guess there's many changes along the way. So every time you're a new person. Mm. So Joy, imagine, let's let's, uh, let's play a little game. Imagine you come across uh, someone, a man, for instance, (laughs) who has never heard of impact investing, let alone gender smart investing. And doesn't seem that bothered uh, at first sight. And how would you describe that work, Joy? Its impact, your your work, its impact and its relevance, you know, to someone mm. like that outside of this ecosystem. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, was, I was just talking to my team yesterday, and um, as at Criterion, we don't actually spend a whole lot of time with people who are not trying to create social change. We're trying to work with people who are trying to create social change mm-hmm. and think about how they can broad, more broadly, more creatively with more imagination, use finance to create social change. Mm-hmm. And so the, the most of the conversations that I have with people who are not um, working in innovative finance, are with change makers for who finances an evil system of power and domination that has perpetuated capitalism. Mm. And so in that context, I'm mostly just trying to say it's a system of power, just like all of the other systems that we work in, mm. break it apart, see it as a system of power, figure out where it needs to change, figure out where you need to maneuver around it and manipulate the system or where it might actually work to further your goals sort that through just like you would any system of power. Mm. Um, and when I'm talking to people who are sort of mainstream finance people, you know, at some point for me, I'm like, look, you don't want to be stupid. Like, there's a <laughs> whole bunch of stuff that you would get wrong, right? We've all, talk, we've all seen those men. It's just nobody laughs as loudly as they want to when they say, right. oh, I think handbags are the future. You know, my wife has a handbag. Like, you effing idiot. You realize you sound right and so at some level when I'm talking to people in finance um who I actually think are are generally really bright people I'm engaging them as a really bright person to say there's a set of data 
that you're not aware of. And that might make you look stupid. Right, right. It's a bit of truth telling here. And amongst the, uh, next to the truth telling, I, I hear that you've identified, like in a, a great storyteller that you are, um, you've identified your villain, which is the, the, the problem with power, the power, that power dynamic. And when you started Criterion, you, you named your, well, your, your, your heroes. And I call them heroes because you got three values that you started with in 2002. Oh. The grace, the hospitality, and the power of invitation. And I'm sitting on the edge of my chair and saying, wow, how do you show up with them in practice when you're, you're the hero of the story? Hmm. Um, that's a great question. Uh, one thing that I'm really, really proud of and I would say, you know, I, I've, I've, what, my mid fifties, so I've been doing this for a while. And I'm still in formation as a leader for sure. Um, I feel like the last five years, well, maybe in the last three years, I've started to become a good leader. Um, and and part of that was really being. I've always been grounded in the values. Um, and recently, I've just gotten much more open to listening carefully to whether or not I'm actually living them out. And I'm not saying I was a bad person or I did shitty things, but in the last couple of years, I've just listened really, really hard. And I think for some of us, COVID just gave us a little more space to think things through. And so one of the ways that I'm really proud, just last, last, um, last month, we announced a new compensation plan at, at Criterion. And it took me about four months to work through and it's super transparent and super equitable. So for me, that's about the sort of extraordinary um, trick of creating a hospitable place where people feel safe enough to do brave crap, right? To really go out and try things. And to know that there's a system around them that will support them. And I think for many of us who are many entrepreneurs, I mean, I, I've never worked, I've never worked in a place where I felt taken care of. It's really interesting, right? I've never had a job where I had a, I worked in New York City public schools. And if anybody has ever worked in New York City public schools, it is not a place where you feel taken care of. Um, I had a fine, you know, I had a fine uh, pension. I had a fine pension was pretty much it. Um, the kids were great. The teachers could have done without. But the um, administrators had my activism in the union. And so I, I haven't actually worked in a place where I felt like somebody else was responsible for my job. Like somebody else was responsible for creating that safe place. And so I didn't know how to do that. Um, so I think, I mean, I've had many ways to live out these values. It's been that we've had our values since before we, the company started and before now it's a nonprofit, but back 21 years. So I've had a, a million different ways that I've experienced these values. One of the most, I, I mean, I do love these values. Um, and maybe look at the third one. So, so just to define them quickly, grace is about showing up in the world, trusting that the world will surprise us, right? Seeing it a little more playfully as opposed to um, us against them. 
um, hospitality is about welcoming the stranger, knowing the stranger will change you. So many of us host with the interest of, I don't know, showing off our house or showing off our stuff or showing off our content. And many people host to influence other people. Um, for us, hospitality is about owning our own point of view, but also being open to being changed by who shows up. And so the third is really then about the power of invitation. And um, I, I truly believe that relationships begin not when we encounter each other, but when, when we first interact, we first invite, right? You're on the other side of the room and somebody says, oh, hey, I'm gonna come talk to you. Or, you know, the, all of those first encounters where somebody is inviting us into a relationship. Relationships begin with an invitation. And um, then you know, all kinds of stuff happens after that. But I think so often what we forget, we pay attention to how we're being invited. And I think that's something very much to pay attention to and there are justice issues within that. But for me, the value is to remember that we have the power to invite. The way we solve how we feel, if, if, if I feel like I'm not invited well, my response is to invite somebody else and to remember that I have the power of invitation and the way mm. I fix not feeling welcome or not feeling invited is by being the inviter. Um, and so I remember once I was at a conference and um, a round table of investors and there was one junior mm. woman at the table and I watched as her boss dismissed her at the table and just sort of belittled her in a really problematic way. And I walked out of that meeting. I, I, he also, he finished with her, went right onto me, right? It was like, and you also are not doing anything worth doing. And it was a really harsh meeting as so many uh, of these meetings can be. Impact investing doesn't actually mean everybody becomes nice. Um, and I walked out of that meeting and I walked up to her and said, I'll do anything to help. Just tell me if you ever need somebody to have your back, I'm here. And that, that reminder that when we don't feel like we're getting what we need, that the best thing that we can do is see if we can help somebody else is one of the more empowering moments for me. So that's the power of invitation for me. And so when you invest in someone, does that work as well? I imagine that grace, that hospitality and the power of invitation. Would you invite people to be invested in? I'm curious. I'm sure other people are wondering. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it's been a long time since I've been an active investor, right? So Good Capital, you know, it mm. was, was a one-time fund. And so um, I would say more where I apply this is we work with, I mean, it, within Criterion in order to accomplish our mission. We participate in lots of mm. sort of larger capital um, endeavors. And, and I suppose I sat on boards and investment committees and stuff like that. So, um I think the piece for me where all of this connects with investing right now, probably most poignantly, is we tend not to build investment. 
we meaning the world of investing. Um, we don't actually build investment mm -hmm. funds that meet what the world needs. We build things that work for the capital and that don't work particularly well for the economy. And um, and I we we've been in a we have a deep commitment to working in the Pacific Islands and and over the last six years, one of the things that I've watched is just one person after another going to Fiji or Vanuatu and Papua New Guinea and saying, you know what, if you change and become a different kind of company mm. and have a different economy, then we'll be able to do impact investing here. And so first of all, we'll give you the technical assistance to enable you to be kind of become the kind of company that will enable us to invest in you. And so one of the slogans at Criterion is let's fix the capital, not fix the companies because too many investors mm -hmm. wander out in the world and say, what's brilliant about me is I've got this money and you should want it. And mm -hmm. you should be willing to transform yourselves to be able to take it because I, I know. And that's largely untrue. Right? It's like specific intelligence that is gifted to people mm -hmm. who sit in investment positions. And they know their capital. They may not know the context in which they're working. Um, and that's often where it ends up being the most tragic. So, so for me, there really is this question of how do, we, how do we fix the capital, not fixing the companies? And that requires a sense of grace and hospitality and invitation that actually says, honestly, I'm not just gonna do a landscape study to figure out how my capital fits within that context. Joey Anderson shows us here that values shouldn't be just rustled up on a, on a whim. There are deeply meaningful components for your work and, and they generally guide the core of your action. So now we are clear about Joey's villains, you know, the people who hold the power and who don't pay attention, or those who want the world to bend so that they get what they want. And on the other side, you have the heroes, the values. In our case, they are grace, hospitality, and the power of invitation. From this episode, we understand that without listening, changing, adapting, convening, and caring, and being of service, we might be quickly in the way and out of scope. These attributes can also underpin our staying power. So what do you think? This is it for this episode of Be and Think in the House of Trust. My name is Sylvain Moisan, and I look forward to our next show. This series is available wherever you love to listen to your podcasts. And connect with me through sylvainmoisan.co.uk and get regular conscious innovation updates. They help you navigate the mental models that are needed to collectively and individually ignite positive social change. Bye-bye.